advantage of the day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello once again, Kingdom Defenders. Welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom as we're just mere, I don't know, teen shopping days away from the NFL draft that will be held in Kansas City, right here in the capital city of the Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, along with, of course, senior team reporter Matt McMullen. In this one, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about the lens in which the Chiefs Kingdom views everything, but for sure the draft. And quite honestly, Matt, and you and I live it every day, so it's easy to take it for granted. The way that this franchise looks at certain players is different in many ways then all of the other 31 teams look at players. Yeah, it certainly is, and that's why this team has been so good at finding and identifying talent over the last several years and turning them into Super Bowl champions. I still can't believe the impact our rookies had on this Super Bowl championship season. If you look back at the AFC title game where like nine rookies played significant roles in winning that game over the Bengals, and then in the Super Bowl, so many rookies making big plays, that doesn't happen without – an evaluation staff and a front office really putting together years of work to try to find these guys. And something that really stuck with me a few years ago, we interviewed Mike Borgonzi, uh, of course, in the Chiefs front office staff uh, at the Combine last year, not this most recent Combine, but last year. And he was explaining how their guys are legitimately watching players for years. And then when they have a chance to draft these guys and get them in here it's a culmination of all of this work it's not like they started learning about them a few months prior like you and i do they watch these guys for years and uh, it's a an art and we're so fortunate to have the very best here in chief's kingdom in our building we talk about how the chiefs use versatility is probably you have to be athletic enough and have the skills of a certain position but even to pigeonhole a player in a draft into a position is a mistake if you're going to look at the 2023 draft or any draft through the eyes of the kingdom lens. Uh, because uh, the Chiefs look at really how versatile can a player be. An edge guy, so to speak, may end up being an inside guy or both, probably both. Safeties, do they have corner skills? And to me, Legereus Sneed is exhibit A of this. Was a corner at Louisiana Tech, then they moved him to safety. But when he came here, the Chiefs were on him for years, right? They were viewing him for years. But they saw him as a guy that could be maybe the best slot corner in the league. Is he a safety? He's a corner. He's neither and he's both. And the fact that he is maybe the best slot corner blitzer in this league actually can make up if you don't have a 15-sack edge guy, you don't have Nick or Joey Bosa or, or Von Miller, you can make up for that scheme-wise if you have an incredible uh, slot blitzer like an L.J. Sneed. So that's just an example of when you look at the draft and you hear all of the pundits and you look at every position and where do they rank and where are they projected. This episode is designed to have you give you a little bit of a tutorial of looking at the kingdom lens because we have seen, and Sneed's a great example of that, of how the Chiefs viewed him maybe differently than every other team in this league. Yeah, that versatility is so important, and we saw that with the Chiefs' free agent signings as well, with a guy like Charles Aminehu coming over from San Francisco. Is he just an edge guy? Well, no, probably not. He can also bounce inside because he's like 6'5", 280 pounds. He can do lots of different things for you along the defensive line. Juwan Taylor is that way for the Chiefs. He can play either tackle spot, I think, 
with uh, some serious effectiveness. Uh, and Drew Tranquil uh, at linebacker. Is he a linebacker? Is he a hybrid safety? He could do all these different kinds of things uh, for your defense. So versatility is truly the name of the game because you play a 17-game season, then hopefully some more games after that and get to the Super Bowl. You're going to lose guys along the way to injury. And if you can have guys that can fill those voids without losing any effectiveness, that's why the Chiefs have been so good of late. And offensively, We've talked about receiver. Not all receivers fit this scheme, Andy Reid's scheme, which has been the most difficult to defend with uh, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But receivers in this scheme have to know three languages. Are they an X? Are they a Z? Are they a slot? They're none of that. They're all of that. Uh, Kelsey is the most greatest example of being a versatile tight end. He can be a ISO Y and split him up. But then you look at Jody Fortson. Noah Gray has those same skills. So when you're looking at a player, the first thing we would tell you if, uh, as a Kingdom defender to look at this draft is, one, the versatility of each and every player you look at. How many things can they do to fit the Kansas City Chiefs? Second is culture. Not everybody's going to fit this culture, and we've talked about how great uh, Brett Veach and his staff is in looking at culture. Can the player fit the culture of the Kansas City Chiefs? And the 2022 draft class is exhibit A of that. NFL record set with that many rookies playing on defense and special teams in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. So not everybody fits the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't fit everybody. But when you look at evaluating a draft, you've got to look at it through the, li uh, the lens of the, uh, how the Chiefs look at it here in the kingdom. Okay, before we get into around the world, I'm just going to pull off for a second and just something I find humorous because, you know, I, I look at every team. I look at all 32 teams. What's going on free agency? So we have a quick reference. Who'd they pick up, who'd they lose, and who'd they keep? Uh, not just us, but everybody else, starting with the division teams. But the AFC East has caught my eye. They just take each other's guys. <laughs> Listen to this. Buffalo has taken Trent Sherfield, the wide receiver from Miami. They took Damian Harris from New England, running back. New England, wait a minute, that's, they're going to take Mike Gusecki from Miami. Why is that important? He was the Miami tight end that caught the pass to beat New England to give the Chiefs the one seed in the 2019 playoffs. The Fitzmagic. The Fitzmagic yeah. game, right? <laughs> Kevin Harlan doing two games at once. Yeah. Now he was the hero of that for the Chiefs' kingdom that day for the Dolphins. Now he's a Patriot. What? Uh, they go get James Robinson from the Jets, as do the Patriots. Miami, don't leave them out of this. They're going to take Mike White from the Jets, Braxton Berrios, and Dan Feeney. And for the Jets, they're going, well, don't just pill for all our guys. We'll take the punter from Miami, Thomas Morstead, most famous for his onside kick against the Colts when he was the Saints kicker in his rookie in 2009. It's all this, let's just eat each other up here. AFC East, just as a parenthetical moment here. Do I have to pull this podcast over and get you guys to settle down? Because that group's just stealing each other's guys. It's a weird division. It is. And it's a bunch of teams that all have a legitimate shot, uh, particularly once the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, assuming that happens. Is that going to happen? I think. Okay. I think it's going to happen. And the Dolphins, we know, are a competitive team. Not sure about the Patriots right now, but I personally love it because it's making life difficult for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> you know Buffalo is sitting there thinking, this is our time to own the division for like 10 straight years. Stop trying, everyone. And everyone's just becoming kind of pesky. So I'm all for it. So the Bills Mafia, if they're, they're <laughs> defending the Mafia podcast, would be what other guys can we steal from the other three division teams? <laughs> All right, let's jump in now to our uh, defending the kingdom tradition of let's go around the world and find our kingdom defenders. Yep, I've got 15 today for Patrick Mahomes. Why not? And I actually had a lot more that we'll get to next week. Lots of submissions this time around, but 15 today. 
So we have Jimmy and Wendy. They're still down in Sedalia looking after Chief's Kingdom Crossroads at the junction of Highways 50 and 65. Home of the Missouri State Fair. Yep. Uh, Terry is in Oswego, New York, in Bill's country, ironically enough, mm. and says he's very obnoxious this year, which I say, why not? You have yeah, the right to be obnoxious. Be careful, man. Be careful. <laughs> I I know, they're going to have you diving on tables. They'll just <laughs> off you up as a sacrifice. I think Terry should enjoy it. Yep. Uh, we have a few listeners from Germany this week, uh, one of them being Sigrid from Essen, Germany. Uh, they're very excited for the game over there next yeah. year, as are we. We have Jerice in Syria. We have a listener in Syria. This is our first Syrian def- yep. kingdom defender. Yep. Right. Uh, they love the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So first listener in Syria. <laughs> uh, we have Ruby in Henderson, Nevada. Yep. Out there in enemy territory yep. near Vegas. Las Vegas. Yep. Uh, Russ is down in Wichita. Ray is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mark and his daughter are in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You can say hi to my grandparents who live on top of Elder Mountain. Rocky Top, baby. Uh, we have a listener from Oslo, Norway. Uh, Joe is in Nevada, Missouri. You got it. There we go. I'm learning. Nailed it. Uh, Brent says, Pura Vida from Costa Rica. Been a fan since Super Bowl Four. Costa Rica is a beautiful place if you haven't been there. Well, I want to go. I keep hearing about it. Oh, and it's you, amazing. You, you and Ellie the Coyote went there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to take my coach there. Yep. Well worth it. Uh, John is in Wichita. A few listeners from Wichita this week. Yeah. Uh, happy that Blake Bell is back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Jay in Fort Lauderdale. And then I just got back from my vacation. I went to Ireland with my uh, wife. We flew into Dublin and then drove to Belfast. And I put on Twitter that I was there. And I heard from some people. So I heard from Neil in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And then also, no relation, another Neil in Dublin, Ireland. And both of them were giving me tips on what to do. You know, there's a Chiefs bar in Dublin, Ireland. I heard about it after the fact, and I I wish I would have gone. And I have a really good friend that's gone to Ireland many times and stays in contact with the owner of that pub. And it is, so think of like Big Charlie's in South Philly, right? (laughs) Yeah. This is the Big Charlie's in Ireland. That's amazing. And they watch every game. You know, they have to calculate the time. It's like three in the morning or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yes, the Chiefs are big. Uh, in Ireland, it's so great that you got to visit. Yeah, well, what was funny is I didn't see a ton of NFL stuff over there, but we were at a pub in Belfast, and I saw a guy walk in with a Chiefs hat. It was the first NFL thing I saw the entire trip, and I was like, how about that? What a small world. And then later on, we went to the Titanic Museum because the Titanic was built in Belfast, and we were getting a, a cab to go back to our hotel, and I was wearing my Chiefs rain jacket, and when I opened the door, the cabbie was like, Kansas City Chiefs, world champs. I was like, yeah. In Dublin. <laughs> in Belfast. In Belfast. Yeah. This is in Belfast. Okay. Like, even smaller place. So, yeah, uh-huh. the Chiefs That's are still awesome. well represented and well known around the world. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, and I just spoke to a group that came here. This is a big company, a worldwide company. Their VPs met. They wanted to meet here at the site of the world champions. There were four from the UK. <laughs> there was one from Norway, one from India. And I said, they were getting a tour later right at the Hall of Honor. And I saw the Norwegian guy. And I said, you know, one of the members of our Hall of Fame is from Norway. Jan Stenerich. Yep, Jan Stenerich. Yeah. So they loved it. So Kingdom Defenders, you're everywhere. And as we defend the kingdom on this episode, we are, how do you get ready for the draft? Well, if you're a fan of the Chiefs, you got to put on your Chiefs lenses here and look at this draft uh, in the way that the Chiefs kingdom or Brett Veach and the coaching staff led by Andy Reid looks at players. And we're going to start at wide receiver because how many times a week do you get asked, what are we going to do at wide receiver? <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster is now New England Patriot, right? McCall Hardman is now a Jet, speaking of the AFC East taking guys. Uh, but how many times do you get asked what are we going to do about Juju Smith-Schuster? So let's look at this draft and think, 
Who are the guys that intrigue you looking through the lens of the Chiefs' kingdom? Yeah, well, this time of year is so much fun, particularly after coming off a Super Bowl championship because we're already riding high, and then I can fire up all the mock draft simulators and just do them all day, and I'm technically working. It's great. You know, i gotta got to <laughs> learn about all these guys, right? So I'm just going to sit here all day mock drafting. This wide receiver class is interesting to me because I think on the – Outside, that might say, hey, this is a weak class because there's no, like, Jamar Chase in the top five. There's no slam dunk, like, Drake London kind of guy at the very top. But I think there is decent depth throughout and some players that make a lot of sense for the Chiefs and could be interesting to Chiefs fans. So we're going to go back and forth here, right, with a few names? Yep, you get to go first. Okay, so one guy who is a, a first-round kind of guy, and it's possible he won't even make it to the Chiefs at 31, but he could. Uh, and it's realistic if the Chiefs wanted to trade up, maybe he could be there in the 20s. I don't know. But a guy that really intrigues me is Zay Flowers from Boston College. Now, this is a bit of a left turn from what I look for normally in wide receivers because I like guys that have some size to them. Zay Flowers really doesn't. He's five foot nine, so he's not very big. He's 182 pounds. But he has a chance to be special, I think. And he's really an Andy Reid prototype receiver in terms of all the different things he can do because he's a very exciting electric player. He had 12 receptions on targets that took place at least 20 yards downfield last season. So a big time threat with the deep ball. He has great speed, but it's more than just that. He also has the underneath ability to take a quick pass over the middle and then make two guys miss and break it off for a 70 yard touchdown. And that's the special stuff that you look for in these guys. It's not just their breakaway speed. Um, so he's elusive underneath. He can change direction on a dime. He has great bounce. Uh, he's probably a slot receiver at first in the NFL, which is a bit of a – that used to be kind of a knock. I don't know if it really is anymore because Cooper Cup's maybe the best receiver in the NFL playing primarily – uh, out of the slot. But I think Flowers could do even more than just playing in the slot. I think you'd see him in motion all the time. I think you'd see him in the backfield. And I even think even though he's only five foot nine, he can play outside as well because of his quickness and his ball skills. Uh, so just a really exciting player. Now, do the Chiefs already have this guy in Kadarius Toney? Maybe. They're very similar players. But when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and you can get players like Kadarius Toney or Zay Flowers that are just electric playmakers with the ball in their hands and the defense has to respect them, I think the more the merrier for the Chiefs. So Zay yeah. Flowers is my first guy. Love him. And I'm seeing him getting all these visits now. You know, you get the 30 big-time visits. You can invite him. And, you, and all of a sudden, Zay Flowers is visiting <laughs> – 15 teams yeah right so he's he's uh he's on the uh, lens of others as well but your point is is what we want to say here as the thesis of this podcast is the fact that zay flowers can do a hundred things yeah um and and fits the andy reed scheme very well you t got me started i'd kind of watch this guy from afar but you're going man dig in if you're looking for a juju smith, uh, smith schuster replacement in the draft which again that's presumptuous to say that but look at Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss. Yeah. 6'2", 225, not a blazer, right? Nor was Juju, right? He's not a, he's not, Juju's not going to beat Jamar Chase in the 100-meter dash or others. But Mingo is 4'4", 6", very similar scheme at Ole Miss. I look at who's running NFL-type schemes, and Ole Miss is. Okay, they run a lot of the Chiefs stuff. Motions, orbits, uh, tunnel screens, bubble screens, and Mingo to me looks, and you tip me off, I'm going to give you credit here, and the more I got into this guy, the more you see a young version of Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, Larry Zerline is, uh, it's Larry Zerline's his dad. Um, Lance Zerline. Lance Zerline, and, and I'm going to give you this tie-in. Lance <laughs> Zerline's dad, Larry, 
is from Lenora, Kansas. Really? Yeah. His brother, Lynn, was one of my football coaches at Smith Center. Huh. So, what a small Mr. world. Yeah. So, Brother Zerline goes his roots. Go back. We're gonna have to have him on the show. Yeah, I've talked to him before. He's a great guy. We'll have him on. We'll have him on defending the kingdom yeah. and get into Lenora, Kansas, and all that. But his uncle uh, was one of my high school football coaches. But anyway, his comp was Anquan Bolden. Ooh. And if you say you could bring Anquan Bolden, a young version of Anquan Bolden, to the Chiefs right now, <laughs> oh man, I'm yeah. in. If you look at him uh, again, he's the scheme fit, so to speak. But the, again, the Chiefs' lens is different with scheme fit. Yards after catch, outstanding. Now, he piled up some big yards against some lesser opponents, but I looked at him against Texas A&M, against Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, against Alabama, and you see a lot of juju here uh, in the fact that a tackle breaker, and he is impossible to stop when you get in the red zone and they run those bubbles and tunnels. It's like an automatic touchdown. I don't care who you're playing. So to me, Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss is one that, and I look through the kingdom lens, go, yeah, I could see him fitting the Chiefs. Yeah, Mingo's one of those guys that when I turned his tape on, I was like, this could work. This is the kind of guy we could use. He kind of, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, the other comp I look at here was Debo Samuel. Yeah. Is he Debo Samuel? I go, whoa, 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 Mitch, hang on. Let's look at (laughs) Debo. When he came out of South Carolina, 5'11", 214. Mingo's 6'2", 225. Debo ran a 4'88". Now, everybody in the league would would take Debo Samuel. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I see a little bit of Debo Samuel and Mingo. Just having that strong, physical player who can run over the middle with great ball skills and who is tough to bring down. That kind of thing is what Juju was so good at for the Chiefs yeah. in his lone year in Kansas City. And jet sweeps and flip passes. Yeah. And, and those bubble and wide screens. A yeah. little bit of everything. So, I mean, Mingo would make a lot of sense. I like him a lot. Sticking with that kind of mold of player, uh, another one that I'm interested in is Rasheed Rice from SMU. So Rasheed is six foot one, two hundred and four pounds. So not quite as big as Mingo, but still profiles as a bigger physical receiver. He's a guy who could be available in round two or round three, and I really think he could contribute right away as like a possession type receiver. He led SMU in receptions in each of the last three seasons, so he's an experienced player. And here's a few notes from Pro Football Focus on him. They wrote he has body control that's off the charts. His ability to contort. Uh, to off-target balls is silly. Uh, He thrives as an intermediate route runner and in contested situations. He controls and varies his speed very well. He will lull corners to sleep. And then PFF compared him to Adam Thielen. So just like what you were saying about Anquan Bolden, if you could add a young Adam Thielen to the Chiefs right now, I think you'd do that in a heartbeat. So, again, if you're looking for a guy who can maybe try to grow into that Juju role, I'm hesitant to say replace because Juju has been in the league a long time yeah. and these are rookies, but if you're looking for a guy that maybe can grow into that role and has that profile, I think uh, Rasheed Rice could certainly fit the bill. And you know, I'm hopeful, too, that Sky Moore will take that next jump up from year one yeah. to year two. When you're in this system, we've seen it. We saw it with McCall and others. Uh, so to ask a rookie to come in and be, hey, can you replace the almost 1,000 yards of, <laughs> of Juju Smith-Schuster in the 78 catches and 101 targets, that's presumptuous. But something that could be a partial replacement and eventually get to that role. Another guy I just throw in here is Michael Wilson out of Stanford, and you, he caught your eye as well. Um, 6'2", 213, uh, runs a 4.58, and he's been injured a lot. He's only played 14 games in three seasons. But if you are – a card-carrying, red-blooded 
follower of the Chiefs kingdom, you know now to pay attention on Saturday. Don't just look at the glitzy days of Thursday and Friday in the draft. If nothing else, we present to you the 2022 Chiefs draft class and what happened in rounds four through seven and how it led to a Super Bowl championship. To me, Michael Wilson of Stanford is a guy that could slip to that third day, right? Route runner, if you look at him, he's leaner than a Jonathan Mingo, so he's not quite as the Debo Samuel body type, but still can be very effective. Came out of a big-time high school in Chaminade in L.A., uh, but when he was healthy, he brought energy, uh, a willing blocker, could be a gunner. If I made a comp in watching him, it would be Danon Hughes of the 90s. Hey, My there we go. Our broadcast partner, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> you're thinking, this, what can he, he could help you win in a lot of ways. And so Michael Wilson's in that role. Yeah, that's what I liked about Wilson is – and maybe he could grow into a superstar, but not every player needs to be comped as a superstar right away. I don't think it's a knock to say that he could be a, a great gunner on special teams. You need those players, and those players make huge plays when it matters most. So that's why I think Michael Wilson uh, could make a lot of sense for the Chiefs uh, as well. We're talking edge next? Sure, because yeah. the next question you get after wide receiver is what? What are we going to do at edge rusher? <laughs> How are we going to replace Frank Clark? Look what Frank Clark did in the playoffs, and I'm with you, man. The Sharks got two rings. Uh, that will bear the uh, uh, logo of the Kansas City Chiefs. And when you look at what Frank did, 13 and a half career sacks in the postseason, third most in NFL history. So again, you're not going to replace the Shark, but you've got a guy like George Karloftis going from year one to year two. Look at the way George finished the year. But in this draft, who has caught your eye among edge rushers? Well, the first thing that I think is important to talk about is the term edge is such a wide umbrella now that there's a lot of players who are edge rushers who maybe don't necessarily fit what the Chiefs have done in the past. So just for some context to what we're about to talk about, uh, Mike Dana right now is the lightest edge rusher on the Chiefs in terms of his weight. He's 257 pounds. Uh, Joshua Kando is 260 pounds. George Karloftis, 263 pounds. Malik Herring is 275 pounds, and then the newly signed Charles Aminihu is 280 pounds. So why is that important? Well, there's some edge rushers in this class, like Nolan Smith, for example, who had the blazing combine 40-yard uh, dash time and is an amazing athlete, and I think he will be a good player in the NFL, and I don't know, maybe he will be a chief, but just for the sake of this conversation, the guy is 238 pounds. Uh, Will McDonald is another one who's interesting uh, out of Iowa State. He's also like 239 pounds. So really good players. I just wonder if they necessarily fit the mold of what the Chiefs have done in the past. And speaking of versatility, can players that are only 240 pounds bounce inside? It's much tougher. Maybe they can. But Well, the you look at what the Chiefs did with Mike Dana, though. Now, sure. now it depends on down and distance situation in the game. But all of a sudden, you're like, Mike Dana's inside. He's like a three-tech. So... Their answer is, I think, a partial yes. Sure, but Mike Dan is at least 260 pounds. Exactly. You know? and, that, and that's where I think if you can find guys that have that kind of size, uh, it certainly helps. Now, who are some guys that kind of fit that profile that could do a lot of different things for the Chiefs and, and make sense maybe, uh, if not day one, on day two? Well, one guy is uh, Keon White from Georgia Tech. I don't know if you've watched this guy, but mm -hmm. he's six foot five, 285 pounds with 34-inch arms. Big-time scheme versatility with this guy. He can line up anywhere up front along the defensive line. He's super athletic. He was a tight end at Old Dominion before switching to defense, then later transferring to Georgia Tech. So an athletic player who just put on a bunch of muscle and is now an edge rusher uh, that's going to be in the NFL here shortly. Uh, he's a strong player off the edge, but can also play the run. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com said that he's a freaky athlete in coverage as well on tape. 
he'll mirror a running back and stay with him for 30 yards downfield. That's crazy at 285 pounds. Uh, a few notes from Pro Football Focus on White. Uh, they call him a true athletic marvel. His top speed at his size is unheard of. He has power throughout his entire frame. It makes no sense that he weighs as much as he does. And he's versatile, the name the name of this episode, right? He can handle almost any alignment along the defensive line. So if you're listening to all this, you're like, well, why isn't this guy a top 10 pick? This all sounds really great. Well, he's 24 years old, so he's a little bit of an older prospect. He was hurt basically all year in 2021, and he's not a finished product by any means, but his physical and athletic attributes are very intriguing to me. It's hard to find guys like this that can do really a little bit of everything, and uh, the idea of Keon White being added to this pass rush uh, is an exciting thought for me because I think he could be available on day two. Yeah, and he's the guy that can move inside because he's played physical, as you mentioned, but still has skills. Now, this is going to get close to home with the two that I've selected, and the first one is Felix Anaduke Uzama from Lee's Summit High School, somewhere Drew Locke in his <laughs> Seattle quarterback room is going, hey, that's my dog yeah. from Lee's Summit High. But – he was incredible at Kansas State, especially in the last year uh, for the Wildcats and Chris Kleiman, 6'3", 255. If you were looking, and i got to be careful here, but if you're looking for a Frank Clark kind of clone, it's Felix. And here's why. The motor is there. If you look at scheme versatility, he can play inside and outside. Super smart, but I'm, I'm just going to give you some things if you can find him. The twists that he uses against Tulane and Texas Tech. He was really good. He's got different moves, and he's working on them. It's going to take some work. He's not a finished product. But I could see him and Karloftis just being going crazy and working with each other. His rip and under move in the Big 12 championship game against TCU is NFL ready. He is uh, outstanding to watch. But here's what I love about him. It's his productivity. This dude, like Frank, will chase the ball. Six force fumbles uh, for Felix Anaduke Uzama. Yeah, that led FBS. Plus, in one game against TCU his junior year, he was credited with six sacks. That would have tied an NCAA record. They took two away from him, so he ended up with four. But there's a lot of productivity with him. He'll also do the dirty work, 46 tackles. Now, uh, our guy, Lance Zerline, gave the comp to Dante Fowler Jr. of the Dallas Cowboys. Who would take Dante Fowler Jr. of the <laughs> Dallas <laughs> Cowboys? So, here's King Felix. And when you look at the comp with him to Frank, Frank coming out was 6'3", 271 when he came out of Michigan. Frank did not play at 271 last year <laughs> no. for the Kansas City Chiefs. And our guy, King Felix, is 6'3", 255. Very similar reach. I'm just telling you, Felix Anyaduke, Uzama, could be there when the Chiefs pick at 31 and uh, would be an interesting as a hometown guy from Lee Summit being a Chief. I noticed he also has his sack celebration down already, right? It's like the, the, the spinning thing. I was imagining like if he's a chief, uh, you know, like how George, when he got his first sack with the Chiefs, he didn't like know what to do. Yeah, and and that's not you know the most important thing about being a pass rusher, but Felix has that figured out. It's when, already there. Yeah, he knows his sack celebration. I love him. He's a heck Oof. of a player. I think he's one of the more NFL ready edge rushers in this class who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, and yeah, the Dante Fowler comp is awesome. And then PFF called him Harold Landry. With their comp. So, who, who would take Harold Landry? Yeah, yeah. To. So, um, yep. I think that's a great one. Uh, another one for me, I'll go from K State to Mizzou. How about yeah. Isaiah McGuire? Yeah. From Mizzou. Yeah. So, 
Six foot four, 268 pounds with 34-inch arms. He had a 2.9% sack rate last season. That was highest among all SEC defenders. A lot of good pass rushers in the SEC. Uh, he has a great combination of power and speed. He's explosive. He has great burst off the line, gets off blocks, and plays the run well uh, in addition to being a great pass rusher, which is so important. Easy to forget about that, but it's more than just the sacks. You have to set the edge and play the run well. And if you watch Isaiah Maguire... That's a required course. <laughs> yeah. That, that goes back to looking at the lens. Don't just look at sacks. If they're not going to play the edge, this this place is not for you. And you watch Isaiah Maguire at times, even if the run's going the other direction, he will pursue the running back and catch up to them from behind and blow up the play for a loss. So I love seeing that from Isaiah McGuire. Uh, didn't play a lot inside during his time at Mizzou, but because he's 268 pounds and with room to grow, I think he could bounce inside a la Mike Dana if needed. So Isaiah McGuire is a player to know and just 21 years old, so still very young. I've got another one. It's another guy close to home. You know, I love these kingdom connection guys. Yeah. And another guy that absolutely blew up the combine. He became the story of the combine in many ways. And he's from North Kansas City High School, a fighting hornet. And that's Eddie Tamiwa Adabare of Northwestern. 6'2", 282. If you look at him incredibly quick when you watch his video. At the combine, in the senior bowl, you look at the, the when they did the, his first step is awesome. 12 and a half career sacks, a willing run defender. Um, 32.8 arms when you look at the uh, – so you think of the guys that have fit this role in the Chiefs recently, like Tershawn Wharton or Colin Saunders. And even though Colin Saunders was much heavier at 324, you can see some of the comp there without a war aid. Uh, he's from Nigerian royalty. His, his lineage is um, uh, from a from royal family in Nigeria. Wow. He's wicked smart. Uh, there are times – he just played on a Northwestern team that had no offense. They had a really good defense, including Pittsburgh, Kansas native Trevor Kent, and they had just no offense. So this defense was just under the gun all year, and he played at a high level. He is another guy that could slip inside, even as a sub-down guy, right away. Yeah. He also has the ability to play some edge, but he's smart, tough, willing defender, and he's versatile. And these two guys that I mentioned are both from Kansas City. <laughs> what are the odds? And I, I could see him being a big-time value day two pick. Yeah, uh, just – an athletic freak. It doesn't make any sense. You mentioned how good his combine was. He ran a 4.49 40-yard dash. He's 282 pounds. 282 pounds. It was the fastest 40-yard dash at the combine by a player 280 pounds or heavier since at least 2003 and probably ever. They just didn't record it before 2003. He also had a 10-foot, 5-inch broad jump and a 37-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, which was the third best among all edge rushers. And the only two guys ahead of him were Nolan Smith, I mentioned him earlier, at 238 pounds, and Byron Young from Tennessee at 250 pounds. He has, like, 40 pounds on these guys and is basically matching their vertical jump. It doesn't make any sense. And I think about, like, if you took a guy like Adabare and sent him back to, like, 1970... <laughs> They'd be like, this, a human shouldn't be able to do these things. It's amazing. He may be Christian Okoye. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, if And so the Nigerian nightmare, we've got maybe Nigerian nightmare number two here without a Tommy Adabare. Um, but just, again, very versatile. So we'll wrap up this edition of Defending the Kingdom, trying to get you all like we do and have learned in 10 years of being around Andy Reid in the last several years of being around Steve Spagnuolo and trying to think the way – uh, Brett Veach thinks, and we'll, we'll close it out this way, just the fact that Brett Veach, 
I was in this discussion over the weekend. I was at a at a event with with Patrick Mahomes in Tyler, Texas, and he and I were talking about this, of how everybody just thinks like minded, and that's what we're trying to get across to all of you is the way you have to look at these guys the way that I think our coaching staff and our our scouts look at them, and it's and they're evaluated differently, uh, and so. Uh, that's the most fascinating thing about this, and it works, because let's look at the 2022 class. Yeah, that like-mindedness is unique, and that sounds strange. We've mentioned this in previous episodes. You would think at this level in the NFL, every team would be operating with total harmony and fluidity, but they don't. There's so many teams that the front office says, this is going to be our team, and the coaching staff has to figure it out, and vice versa. But with the Chiefs, it truly is like everyone's on the same page and they evaluate separately, but they think the same way so that when they come together, they're on the same page already. And that's why draft classes like last year and the year before that, getting Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Nick Bolton, those don't happen by accident. You don't just luck into all these players who end up being world champion players. It takes, like we said at the very top, years and years of work, but also people that are willing to check their ego at the door and to work together to find the best rookies who are going to help our team and propel our window here for years to come. And that's why I'm so excited about this draft yet again, because the Chiefs have the best quarterback in the game. They have perhaps the best pass catcher in the game and Travis Kelsey, definitely the best tight end, and the best head coach in the NFL and Andy Reid. And how do you make sure those components continue to be in chances to win Super Bowls? You replenish this roster with young talent, good young players who can come in and contribute. And that's what the Chiefs have done year after year. And let's do it again here with 10 picks in the draft in just a few weeks. And how do you find that good young talent? You look at the draft in any draft through the lens of the Chiefs' kingdom. touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead. 